Hey everyone, so today we're coming to the last part of Histaklut Pnimit, the looking deeper on the first chapter of Tanmudas uh, Emanations or Tanmudas Sfirot. So today we're going to start with talking about how the four phases are represented through the four letters of God's name. God's name is spelled Yud, then He, then Vav, then He. And each letter corresponds to one of the four phases. So now we're going to split the four letters into the four phases. The tip of the yud, just so the way you draw a yud, it's like a little, little tip, and then it thickens out and thins and gets thin at the bottom again. But it's almost like a, almost like a one quotation mark. So the tip of the yud is the ensof. Klomar, koach apoara kalul b'machshavet abuya, kedei lehenot nivreotav shuusod kliya keter. What does it mean that it's the ensof? All of the all of the power of of the doer, which is included within the thought of creation, and what's the thought of creation? To do good for his creations. All of that. Is Shusod Kliha Ketel. That is the secret of the vessel of Ketel. The Yud Husod Chokma, and the letter Yud itself is Chokma. The Hainu Abchina Rishon, which is the first phase. Shei Abchinat Akoach Shebapoal, Hakalul Techef Beorat Hit Pashtut Shelein Sof. That is so we have the doer and then the power of the doer. So the doer itself, that's the endless, that's the tip of the yud. The power of the doer is the letter yud itself, which is chokhmah. And it's represented through the light initially coming from the essence of the creator. So the first light, the endless light that comes from the essence of the creator is the power of the doer. And the first hay, remember there's two hays, there's yud, then hay, vav, and then another hay. So the first hay is bina. So we've already gone through all the four phases, and now we're showing how each letter corresponds. So now the first hay is. The power, so we have the doer, we have the power of the doer, and now we have the potential energy becoming manifest, or starting to become manifest, which is the second phase. Remember, this is when the desire to receive starts to show itself, but not completely. And the light is different from between Chochmah and Binah, because in Binah, the light is slightly more materialized. Vav husod zeranpin. The vav is zeranpin. O chagat nahi, or also known as chesed gvorot tiferet netzachod yesod. Dainu it pashtut o dechasadim sheyatsa al yedeh habina kanal, which is the spreading of the light of mercy, like we talked about last class. Shei pchinat gimel, pchinat koach legiluy hapeula kanal, which is the third phase. So remember, we have the endless light coming from the essence. And then we have 
the first start of the revelation of the desire to receive. And because of the revelation of the desire to receive, we draw this extra light called the light of mercy. So the first appearance of this light of mercy, that's phase three. Hey tata'a shebe'avaya, the second hey in God's name, Husod malchut, that's malchut. So now we come to the fourth phase. The fourth phase is the full expression of the desire to receive. It draws even more light than in the second phase where the desire to receive first uh, started to reveal itself. And it's not really called a desire to receive until we finish phase four. Phases one through three is work in progress. Phase four, that's a, that's a desire to receive. Here you can understand in simplicity. There is no light in the upper or lower worlds. That isn't set up according to this order of four. Which is the secret of the four phases that we've been talking about. Without this, you wouldn't have the desire to receive. So, and without the desire to receive, you wouldn't be able to draw any light. As, we, as we've been talking about, the desire to receive is the space and the measurement of whatever light we get. So now you might have a question. Why would you have a question? So let's explain. So we said that the Yud is Chokhmah and the He is Bina. Okay. And the whole essence of the light. So all of the essence of the light is found in Chokhmah. We said, we said in the last class that every the, the entire endless light, that's phase one. That's when the endless light comes out from the essence of the crater. But it's all found there. And the rest of the three phases are just dressed up or for are just are just dressing for the light that comes from Chokhmah. But really the, the essence of all the light that's from Chokhmah and everything else is a way to dress it nicely so that we can receive it. So if Chokhmah is the greatest light and everything else is just dressing for it or just a vessel for it, then we should say that the biggest light is in Chokhmah. So the answer is like this. The way we talk about light in the four phases is different from the way we talk about light in the ten sefirot. 
כי הלבן שבקלף הוא סבר ט' מרמז על בחינת האור, והשחור שהוא האותיות שבספר תורה. So imagine like this, in, in any book or in the ספר תורה it says specifically here, you have the white of the page and you have the black of the ink. When we're talking about greater or lesser in the four phases and in the, the ten sefirot, we're talking about the steps of the creation of the vessel. We're talking from the vessel's point of view. The Ketel, the first Sfira, or the Endless, is represented by just the tip of the Yud. It's the smallest amount of black on the sheet of white. And Chochmah, which is not much farther, not much far removed from the endless light, is represented through the smallest of the letters, which is Yud. Dahainu, Hayud, Vabina, Sheba, Yatsabiniglava, Akoachelapoal, Numezed So now that we're talking, now that you see we're talking about not from the aspect of light, we're actually talking from the aspect of the vessel. So the desire to receive is the least expressed where? In the endless. Before any tzimtzum, before any building of the vessel, it's the least expressed in the endless. That's why we have the tip of the yud. Then in phase one, it's slightly more expressed, but not really. We have a bigger letter, yud. And then in phase two, when the desire to receive starts to actually reveal itself, we use a, a bigger letter, hey. So what about phase three? Since that is only like a middle step where it reveals more light, but we haven't, we're not revealing more desire to receive yet, it's represented through a long and thin letter, Vav. Shadakut Mova, so why, why skinny letter? Because we're still in, we still use a vav, we use a vav to show that we're still, we still haven't fully transferred over from light to vessel. And I want to make sure it's clear, the vessel is not a separate entity from the light. The vessel, the vessel is the end of a transformation process that starts with the endless. It's the same idea. It's the same. It's actually the same thing. The light in the vessel. We just have light that has materialized, but it's the same thing in essence. Malichutakav. So, and then the length of the of the line or the vav. And the reason the vav is a long letter. So, if you know what a vav looks like, it basically just looks like a lowercase l. It's just the line. So why why like that? To show that at the end of it, you have a full vessel. And what do we represent that full vessel with? So 
So how come we need the Vav? Because with the Yud, the Chokhmah, it didn't, it wasn't successful in creating a full vessel. Because Bina, which is the vessel that Chokhmah immediately led to, is not a full vessel yet. Why? Because the desire to receive has not fully been expressed yet. It's not fully revealed. It's the potential energy of the vessel. That's why the bottom of the Yud is short. It's a very small letter. It hasn't revealed through its hidden power. Chokhmah hasn't revealed through its hidden power. It hasn't revealed a full vessel yet. So Malchut is also used, is also represented with the letter Hei. Similar to Bina. Which is a wide letter that is revealed fully in its form. You shouldn't have a question about this. So you might think that because Bina and Malchut are represented by the same letter, that in the world of Tikkun, where everything is perfect, that they're actually the same. So, it's not that Bina and Malchut, because they have the same letter, are exactly the same and their vessels draw from the same place. They're using the same letter because we're talking about vessels. Anytime you're talking about a vessel, about receiving, that's the letter He. Yud and Vav are expressions of light. He is an expression of the vessel. So you have Yud is Chokhmah. And the tip of the yud is ketel. That's the that's the endless, and then phase one. Hey, desire to receive slight, slightly revealed. That's the first expression of the vessel, but it's not complete yet, so we don't call it a vessel. We don't call it desire to receive yet. Vav is phase three, where this where we express more light. This new idea of the light of mercy because of this slightly revealed desire to receive. And phase four, the second hey, that's when we have a full desire to receive. And that's actually when it draws more light than was actually given in the first place. So let's say there was 100 packets of energy ready to come down from the aspect of the endless. Now, even though the vessel may only have gotten 100 from the endless, because it has desire from within itself, it actually increases the amount that comes down. Now we're going to do something that might sound a little bit like review, but it's important to come full circle, because we talked about this in the very first and the second class, all the way back. So we'll do it again. We have to explain the idea of time and motion. Because we use them and we stumble over them almost every second that we're learning this wisdom. 
where we use these concepts of time and motion, but we have to keep reminding ourselves that it's not physical time and motion. you should know, Spiritual movement is not like physical movement from place to place. But it's, we're talking about a, a new form. Every time we have a new form, we call that motion. So this new thing that creates the new form in on a spiritual level, which changes it from its original form, so anytime you have a change in form where it's different from the original form, this is considered as if it has separated and moved away from its original form and it's bought a name for itself. It's similar to, let's say, you know, we have this desk. If I were to cut a, a piece off of this desk and I were to move it to the other side of the room, you wouldn't call that piece a desk. You'd call it, I don't know, a piece of wood. But it wouldn't be called a desk. Now, let's, let's apply this to what we just learned a minute ago. We're talking about the light as about spreading and moving from face to face. Remember, it's not actually moving. We use these words to help us understand because we don't have anything else. But what's actually happening? Through each of the phases, we have a course of change in form. From the essence to the endless, from the essence of the creator to the endless, there is a slight change in form that's not even considered a change in form. But what, what is it? It's because the thought of creation was to do good for his creations. Well, there, now there must, there must be something to receive. There must be a desire to receive. So that desire to receive is now included within the endless light, but it's not revealed. And that's what we call him and his name are one. Him, the endless light, his name, desire to receive. Then we have phase one. The light starts to move. Doesn't doesn't actually move, it's gearing up for a change in form. Phase two, the desire to receive starts to reveal itself. Now, we are, now we're starting to talk about almost a, almost a serious complete change in form. Phase three, we, we draw extra light, light of mercy. That's different from the light that was originally coming from the endless, the light of wisdom. And then in phase four, we have a complete expression of desire to receive. This is almost a complete opposite in form. It's not a 100% complete opposite, because remember in the spiritual, in spiritual realms, and when we're talking about spiritual things, any two things that are complete opposites cannot possibly have a relationship with one another. So the vessel is almost a complete change in form, but remember, it's actually still the light. It's still the same thing. It's just changed its form most of the way. So now it draws the light and the light comes to it. So we have the essence of the creator, the endless ultimate giving force, and we have the vessel, the ultimate receiving force. And when we talk about time and spiritual things, this whole idea of time by us, 
Time can be defined as experiencing motion, according to what we're learning here. The imaginative mind of a person draws and sets up a certain number of motions that it experienced one after another and it labels them a certain amount of time. So our brain sees the hand move from here to here to here to here. It sets them up. It puts them on one of those old uh, rolls of tape where if you roll it fast enough, it looks like the person on the picture is moving. And that's how we experience time. Often, if everything around a person and within a person was in complete stillness, wouldn't understand time at all. <coughs> and this it's the same thing with spiritual things. Certain, when we take certain sets of spiritual motion and we put them one after another and we take them as a whole, as a set, that we call time in spirituality. So, for example, if motion is change in form and we have a set of changes in form, that whole set together would be called passage of time. So, for example, from the essence of the crater to the vessel, you have multiple, you have multiple semi-changes in form until you get to the full change in form, which is the vessel. That is the passage of time in the spiritual realm. But it's not actual time. Just want to make that clear. Mida ki the desire to receive, which is in every created and emanated thing, that we've talked about in depth, which is the vessel, the desire to receive is the vessel, same thing. So when we talk about you know material things, we're talking about the desire to receive. All of its physicality, all of its existence, the fact that it exists physically, is entirely to do with its desire to receive. So, we just said the desire to receive is materialism. But, what, but we were also saying that desire to receive is the cause of physicality. So how can it be the cause of physicality and physicality at the same time? To frame the question another way to make sure you understand, the whole reason that our world exists, we have the thought of creation, that's, that's the endless light, included within it is a desire to receive, and the revelation of the desire to receive then we have the contraction and the creation of all the worlds, including our own, our, the physical world. And that's what caused physicality. So how can we say 
that the desire to receive, which is the cause of everything, is also the level of physicality in everything. How do we do that? Omnam ken hu gam b'ma'oyot ha-smuchot lanu, sh'darchenu l'chanot ha-tsura ha-rishona sh'b'ma'ud, b'shem ha-chomer ha-rishon sh'b'ma'ud. So it's like this. In our discussions, the first form of any existence is also the name of that existence. So the first form of any of us was a desire to receive. That's where we all come from. We come from a desire to receive. So our all the physicality is called desire to receive. Because we wouldn't be able we wouldn't have any we wouldn't be able to grasp or understand any material. So all of our five senses wouldn't be, we wouldn't have, even through our five senses, we wouldn't have access to anything. We only, all we have access to is these shapes and forms that we call existence. That are drawn, Rav Ashlag says, and it's it's beautiful the language he's using to show us that this this physical world is an illusion. So our five senses work together to draw a picture for us. A very convincing one. So Vashlag actually gets a little bit scientific here. If you were to take the smallest thing, Vashlag uses the word atoms. For those of you who are more scientifically inclined, recently they, they found something even smaller than atoms. It's called quarks, whatever. So if you were to take that, every, the, most, the smallest thing that we can observe even those things are is only things that we observe. They are drawn through our multiple instruments of observation. or more specifically, Shema Nichot Lanu So more specifically, more directly, they're created, they're carved out for us through the desire to receive and to be received. So this is actually right on the money. I don't know if Avashlai was a scientist or not, but this is actually right on the money. The one of the only ways that we're able to actually observe the existence of electrons or quarks is not through actually touching them or seeing them. It's through the path they leave behind. So through the, so what I'm saying here, through their actions and through the effect that they have on everything around them, we're able to measure them and understand what they are. Even then, if we went back, so like you look, 
you know, you look back, we have these big telescopes that can tell us what happened almost back all the way to the Big Bang. But really what we're seeing is just the after effects of what happened. And we're using that to logic back to the, to the material itself. But we're not actually talking about the material. We're talking about the effect it had on everything around it. So, Ravashak is drawing an amazing parallel here between physicality and the spiritual world. So we have in the physical world, like we said, I talked a little bit about, you know, science here, quarks, uh, quarks, electrons, the fact that we can only observe them through the path they leave behind. Electrons are like these little balls of electromagnetic activity. And we kind of see them almost as if you would see, this is a really bad example, but I'm not a scientist. You almost see them as like a little whirlpool in an electromagnetic field. That's, That's how we experience electrons. We don't actually see them. We see the effect they have on their immediate surroundings. So in the spiritual world, how is desire to receive the same thing as physicality? We can't actually see the desire to receive. I mean, clearly not. I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. I can't. What we can see is physicality. What is physicality? That is the effect that desire to receive has, has on everything. So, simultaneously what we're looking at the desire to receive we're also looking at only the after effects of the desire to receive but they're one and the same that's like saying that my hand moving is different is separate from me that's the separation that we're talking about really my actions are part of me but just because you can see my actions doesn't mean you can see me it's a little bit of a weird concept so I'll state it one more way just to make sure it's sitting properly and then we'll be done. So it's like this. I'm moving this. And I just put it back down. Now, imagine a world where because I moved that bottle around in a circle and then put it back down, you could see an infinite number of like you cut tape into pictures of it and then you roll it now the faster you move it the more it'll look like a smooth motion that's our change in form our motion the whole set together is seen as time and then if you look at the action itself that's me moving the bottle that's what we call it that's the name of what just happened is me moving the bottle Is me moving the bottle me? Yes and no. You saw my hand, you saw it on the bottle, you saw it move around the bottle, it's something that I did. But at the same time, you're not actually looking at me. To look at me is to look at my face, look at here. This is me. Me moving the bottle is part of me, but it's not me. I hope it was clear enough. If not, I'm happy to do another recording just on this concept. It's a little hard to understand, and I hope that I explained it clear enough. Thank you. Have a great week.